0: Thanks, Terry. Morning, everyone. It's uh, so good to be together. <clears throat> My voice is also a bit hoarse from the worship. I love, uh, I love singing. So, we're on uh, week two of our kind of Christmas-themed preaching series called Gifted Forward, which is kind of a bit of a, a, a tweak or a twist on a movie some years ago called Pay It Forward. Did anyone watch Pay It Forward? Kevin Spacey, H- Haley Joel Osment, uh, and, and those guys. And the basic principle of that kind of movie. Hey, Kim, how's it? Welcome back. Good to hear, Sorry. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a while. She's been overseas. Um, Pay It Forward is about doing like acts of kindness for strangers and getting them to kind of carry it on. So I do kind things to three people. And each of them do kind things to three other people. So one becomes three, becomes nine, becomes... 27 becomes, 54 becomes, sure, you guys are good for a Sunday, this is impressive. (laughs) So so that's the, the principle, and as we know, the ultimate gift is Jesus Christ at Christmas time, but for us who believe, as we follow Christ, God by His Spirit works the kingdom inside us, and as God's kingdom, His word, His holiness, all those things work in our lives, we start to bear fruit, Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, I didn't have it in my notes, I'm looking back, forbearance, what is it? okay, patience, all of those things. And so we're saying, well, God's given us an amazing gift. He's working fruit out into our lives. How can we gift these fruit forward in the season? Not just thinking about gifts for ourselves at Christmas time, right? but how can we bless other people with these different kind of fruits? And so uh, we're taking a look at the fruits of the spirit. Some of them, last week, Deirdre kicked the series off looking at kindness. And I was particularly kind on Monday and Tuesday. I don't know what happened on Wednesday. <laughs> But I let two people in in front of me in the traffic, and I thought, oh, well done, Glendon. <laughs> Hopefully I can do a bit better this week. But uh, this week's topic is love. And so how are we looking at these kind of different fruit as we're saying, number one, what is love? What does it look like? Number two, how did Jesus show love when he was on earth? And then the third thing is, how can we show love to others around us? So that's kind of where we headed this morning. So what is love? Love makes the world go round. Love is a, it's like a universal feeling. Everyone knows it. Everyone can feel it. Everyone has some idea of what love is. But love essentially, it's, it's a, a feeling, if you like, that either results from someone doing something kind for me. I feel love if you buy me a cappuccino. <laughs> I feel loved. Uh, or the feeling results in me doing something loving towards someone else. Would you agree with that? A dictionary would say it's, it's a deep affection for someone or something. So if I look at my kids, um, kids have no filters. They just show love, however. So my, my eldest boy, he loves basketball. In fact, he also loves stationery. I don't know where he gets that from because it's not linked to basketball. My daughter loves olives. The best gift we can give her on her birthday is a packet of olives. It's like happy as Larry. She also loves all kinds of animals. But, but love is not just a feeling, it's an action that is re- the result of a feeling. Sometimes it's the action the result of a conviction. You don't necessarily feel loving, but you know you ought to love someone. And so love causes us to do something for someone else. And sometimes it's the love for that person that causes you to do something. So I'm married to Candice, I love Candace, so I make coffee for Candace every morning. I wake up with coffee. Right? But sometimes our actions of love to someone else could not be a result of my love for them, but my love for another. So I love Candace, and I make Candace coffee almost every morning. But because I love Candace, I'm also kind to her mother, <laughs> who I don't love in the same way. She's a lovely lady, but my love for Candace is what causes me to be loving towards Brigitte. Are you with me? So it's not always the love for that person, but perhaps the love from another. Etc. And so, because love is expressed through actions, it it obviously looks different. It's based on who's showing the love, etc. My parents are both in their early 70s, and they grew up in the 1950s, 1960s. My dad came from the UK, and that generation, that time, their parents didn't always show much affection, much love to them. And so, the way that I was brought up, I can't remember my dad hugging me very much at all. I can't remember him ever saying, I love you, Glenn, that I'm proud of you. Now, I'm sure he did. I don't remember it as a, as a memory. But if I look at how they did show love, it was very different to maybe how I'm showing love to my kids. When I got to the end of high school, I started eventually getting good at something. And it was a sport, target shooting. And I competed at inter-provincial competitions and national championships over here. And I, I went overseas twice for, for the sport and... When there was an interprovincial competition, my parents would sacrifice time and money. They would drive me all the way from KZN, Friday afternoon after work, drive all the way through the night to Gauteng. I'd compete on the Saturday, and the Saturday night we would drive all the way back again. There was an incredible sacrifice of time and, and money for me. And I only realized that years later, I look back and wow, look at how much they did love me. Maybe they didn't say it so much with words, but they said it with their sacrifice and their, um, what they did for me. The Bible in the New Testament lists different types of love. There's kind of three different Greek words. The one is eros, and it's a sensual love, the love between a husband and a wife. There's the, the love, or the Greek word phileo, which is the brotherly love, the love you have for your buddy, your, your friend, your mate, And then there's the agape love or the unconditional love that God has. Now, we people, we humans, we're really good at the first two, at eros and at phileo. And God is really good at agape, the unconditional love. Why? Because the love that we have, expressed all in different ways, is limited. It's finite. It's conditional. We tend to love if we get love back. Or or if we loved first, then we will show some kind of kindness, perhaps. Our love is often selfish. Why? Because sin has corrupted our nature, the human nature. So we tend to fight, hate, steal, kill, make war, etc. But God's love, as actually is all His attributes, are pure. His love is holy. There's no, there's no hidden bit of rottenness somewhere deep inside God's love. It's pure. It's holy. It's perfect. It's complete. It's not lacking anything. God's love is absolutely complete. It can never get better. There's never like a level above God's love that maybe when God gets a bit more mature, He can love us better. No, it's complete, His love. It's infinite. That means it never runs out. Never, ever, ever, ever runs out. It's incorruptible. You can't twist His love. It can't be twisted. Change. It's unchanging, which means He will never stop loving you, no matter what you do, no matter what I do. He will never, ever stop. It doesn't change. So the word agape, this unconditional love of of God, in the New Testament, it's... um, mentioned more than 250 times, this agape love of God. The Old Testament was written in a different language, so the same Greek word isn't in the Old Testament because it's a different language. The closest word, I think, that comes to capturing agape, this unconditional love of God, is the Hebrew word kesed, also mentioned over 250 times. And it's actually a richer, fuller word, even though it's from the Old Testament, the God of the law the God who would kill people if they disobeyed him, right? It's, it means loving kindness. It means his favor. It means his goodness. Let me give you a few examples. Lamentations chapter three, the steadfast love, the kissed, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Well, Exodus 34, this is God telling Moses who he is as he's passing by. The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in kissette, Abounding in loving kindness. Not just leaking a little bit out the sides, abounding in loving kindness. Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his steadfast love, his kased, toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I'm not going to take you through the other 247, but that's the Old Testament. This is our God, the God of love shows love. In fact, 1 John chapter 4 says that God is love. Now, the New Age people would say, well, love is God. Wherever love is, that's where God is not. It's not what the Bible teaches, but God is love. And it carries on. We love because He first loved us. The first commandment. What's the first commandment? Love. Who? The Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's a primary thing in our living. The greatest thing we can do is to love God, worship Him, honor Him, serve Him, praise Him, follow Him. Paul says in Romans chapter 13 that love is the fulfillment of the law. Don't try and do all these thousands, hundreds of things to get right with God. Paul says love is the fulfillment of the law, not a whole bunch of doing stuff. And so, friends, love is a, it's a major aspect of our faith. It has a higher origin than we think. It has a deeper impact than we know. Far more powerful than we ever could guess. So how does how does Jesus portray love while he was here on the earth. Well, actually, Jesus, you can just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look how he interacted with people. He loved people. He had this agape, unconditional, unchanging, incorruptible, infinite love of God inside his heart. And whenever he came across people, it just came out. And it made a lot of people uncomfortable when they saw Jesus showing love to others. I mean, let me tell you some of the things Jesus did, right? He spoke to women. He touched a leper, someone who was unclean. He allowed a sinful woman to cry on his feet and wash his feet with her hair. He defended, he redeemed the woman caught in adultery. He spoke to Samaritans. He hung out with tax collectors we would say, lawyers. <gasps> Anyone here have a lawyer friend? Or is a lawyer? Oops. Okay, just put it in your, own, in your own context. He spoke with tax collectors. Jesus was more concerned about how people felt than about what other people thought. And so he showed this love towards people. And love, love is most valued... When there's a great sacrifice, when it costs someone something, and when it's least deserved. I sometimes think, how could Candace love me? Like, I'm, I'm not really deserving of her love, right? I'm just, I'm this like, boring, safe, introverted scientist, and she's like, I mean, she's from a French family, so she's fun and spontaneous, and then when I mess up, she still loves me. Like, it's, it's I most value her love when it's least deserved, and I've messed up, right? And when love costs us something, it kind of demonstrates how much we love. And so think of someone wanting to, think of a man wanting to propose to his wife-to-be, goes through an elaborate engagement ritual, plans it for months in advance, thinks through what's the best way to show her I really love her. So after weeks of planning and preparing Buys a ring, saves up for months for a ring or for Lobola. <laughs> Mandla has started saving in faith that there's going to be a lady one day. <laughs> but that's what we do. That's, that's what I did with Candace when I wanted to show. How do you show how much you love someone? You put lots of effort and time. There's another picture in front of the Eiffel Tower. Do you want to know how Candice and I got engaged? (laughs) Oh, boy. I'll try and make it really short. But Candice had been living in the UK for seven years. She'd studied and worked as a nurse. And she came out after she qualified for for three months. I was living in KZN. She came out to, we'd lived in separate countries the whole time we were dating. So she came to be uh, in the same country as me. And when I, when I got the go-ahead from God about, okay, she's the one, I must now pop the question. Um, went to my parents and I told them, this is, I'm going to propose. My parents didn't believe in God at that point. They're like, okay, cool, go for it. My mom gave me a diamond from my great-grandmother. So I had a diamond and I was a still a varsity student. So this was a great start. I didn't have to save up for a diamond, but I had to go and make the ring or get the ring made and designed, etc. And uh, it so happened that uh, as I was at university, a particular week, and uh, it was quite a busy week. I can't remember what had gone down, but Candice and I didn't spend that much time together that week. And so I said, I could see there was some, some strain. I said, let me, let me take you out to lunch towards the end of the week. I'll make up for it. I haven't really been present, etc. And so I knew this is the time to do it. And so I had the ring, and I had an idea. And the idea was this. In uh, Maritzburg, there's a, I don't know if it's still there, a butterfly farm. And at the Butterfly Farm, obviously there's beautiful butterflies, nature, some birds, etc. And there's a coffee shop and upstairs there's like an art gallery. And so I knew that Candice loves art. uh, And so I thought, okay, what I'll do, I'll go and speak to this uh, coffee shop and this place saying, hey, I want to propose to my wife-to-be, can I do something in the art gallery and, you know, don't take it away. But this is the plan on this day. And so um, they said, sure, that's cool. And so I arrived on the morning, I think it was a Thursday morning, and I set up my particular plan at the end of the art gallery, and I uh, covered it so no one else could see it. As I'm leaving to go and fetch Candice to come back for lunch, a bus arrives. It's, it's, it's like an old age home outing. I'm thinking, I picked Thursday because who comes here on the Thursday and are working? I'm like, no. Oh boy. You know, go pick up Candice, and uh, we get there, and we Go look at the butterflies, and as we're arriving, the bus is leaving. It's so like, whew, so glad it's going to be empty. And so we look at the butterflies, and then we go upstairs to look at the um, the art, the small art gallery. And as you get to the end of the art gallery, there's this little kind of nook, and I'd put like a big A-frame, you now those flip chart kind of things. I'd put one of those in the corner, and there was a chair facing it, and it was draped over like it was an unfinished artwork. So I said to Kayla, sit down. And I start taking off these drapes. She's like, what are you doing? That's someone else's artwork. I'm like, no, oh, it's fine, it's fine. So I take this thing off and I'd print it on this, I don't know, A2 kind of flip chart. Just some of the memories that we'd had together in the nine months, ten months we'd been dating up till that point. Just talking her through these beautiful pictures. And I think she could probably guess what was coming uh, and uh, I'd wanted to propose in a very dramatic spot. Uh, and so I'd visited her in the UK and there was a beautiful castle we'd gone to see. And I, I flipped the last picture and there was a picture of this castle. And I said, I wish we were here so I could say this to you. You know, and I took out the ring and she looked at me and she was dead silent for hours. That's what it felt like. But it was like maybe 20 seconds. <laughs> she was just trying to process. This is the one time she's gonna be proposed at four. I don't know. She eventually, she said yes. Anyway, that's how we got engaged. But uh, yeah, you should clap. That's creative. <laughs> and then at lunch, she, she asked, is this, is this diamond real? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it came from my great, I mean, it was a big diamond. It, was, it still is a big diamond on her finger. So um, yeah, we, we, we sacrifice Um, to show how much we love. Do you know what the most costly proposal in history was for the bride who deserved it the least? Put up that next picture. Let that sink in. What it cost Jesus for an undeserving bride like me and like you. 1 John 4 says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Father, help us to reckon with your great love that has been given so freely And yet, it costs you everything for us who least deserve it, Lord God. So lastly, how can we show our neighbor's love? What can we do to gift this amazing love forward to other people around us? Well, Jesus said, love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, That's the logical kind of outworking of that. And I want to get a little practical for the last little bit. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And if you've probably been married, if you are married, you might have read this book. He's written about 40 other versions. Five Love Languages for the kids. Five Love Languages for your business. Five Love Languages for the single. Like he's milking the whole concept and uh, making it work. But it really is a powerful and very simple concept. And if you haven't heard of it, let me give you the essence is that inside every single person there's a love tank and there's a language that other people can speak that can fill that that tank up fill it up to the top right and if people are speaking the same language as you you feel loved and so so Candace grew up in a French family her first language was French if i try if at that stage if i tried to speak to her in english she would have had no clue she wouldn't have felt any interest from me in her at all, because I'm not speaking the right language. It's the same with love. There are these five basic love languages, Gary Chapman says, that if we know what fills the other person's tank, we're able to learn that language and speak that language and make them feel loved. So I'll just list them for you. They are words of affirmation, in other words, kind words, compliments, appreciation, gratitude, etc. Physical touch, holding hands, hugging, etc., giving and receiving gifts, quality time, and acts of service. So let me tell you, one of my number one love languages is acts of service. I love it when people do stuff for me, not because I'm lazy. That's just, I love it when when Candice prepares dinner or when one of my kids gives me a massage or whatever it might be. I love, I feel loved when other people do stuff for me. That's just how I'm wired. Candace really feels loved, and it changes over, over life as kids come and kids go, etc. But she loves receiving gifts. And if it's thoughtful and a surprise and unexpected, it doesn't have to be big or expensive, but she feels loved when I give her a gift. Now, often we show love in the way that we like to receive love. So I love to receive acts of service. So my natural way, how must I show Candice I love her? Well, I do stuff for her. I unpack the dishwasher, I clean the counter, I put fuel in the car, I keep the swimming pool clean, I open the curtains in the morning. Like, I'm, I'm a doer. I, I love to serve people. But that doesn't make her feel loved. Oh, she, she's grateful. She notices, she appreciates the clean counters, etc. in the kitchen. But she doesn't feel loved, although she's grateful for me doing that stuff. I've had to learn, oh, she likes it, but doesn't make her feel loved. There's like two little drops going in the tank, instead of like a glug, 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 all the way to the top. I've had to learn that. It's been hard. It's, it's not easy to learn a language you're not familiar speaking. And so, here's my thought for us as we think about others and gifting them with love, is what is their love language? Think of your neighbor next door or the colleague in the workplace. Have they commented how much they, they love gardening? Well, then, maybe you can give them a little gift like a pot plant or a flower or or a voucher for the nursery, or whatever it might be. Think of what kind of language might speak best to them, and let's go and show them love. Now, there's three kinds of love we can show. I'm not talking about the first one. That's for husbands and wives. Don't go and show that to your neighbor. Okay, just (laughs) clarification. It's the brotherly love and the agape love that we're going to be showing. But you might notice that your neighbor hasn't got around to cleaning their garage act of service that might make them feel very loved. Just keep your eyes open, Lord, how can I show love and then see what see what you can do about that? Does that make sense? I think it's kind of practical. And I want to say that it does not come naturally. Absolutely doesn't. Why? Because because we tend to be selfish. We want people to do stuff for us, right? And I think what we need to realize is that Every single person, our favorite and our least favorite, are made in God's image. Every single person made in the image of God, just as you are, just as I am. We can't see people any differently, whether we perhaps like them because they like us, or we don't like them because they're different. So that, That means that every person has value, has worth, has dignity, has a purpose, is loved by God in the same way that we are loved by God. We have to see that when we look at every person God's put around us. He loves them. He made them. He's got a plan for them. We have to see His great love for us. showed that picture earlier. For God so loved the world. Not that He was so full with the world. He was so sick and tired of humans not being able to figure it out. for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son to die for us. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us because we need love to come from outside of us. I can't manufacture love. I have some, but it runs out. It's finite, it's limited. I need God to give me more of His love in order for me to be able to show love. My tank runs dry quite easily because I'm human. There's a scripture that says that God has shed abroad His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we need to take time to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be refreshed, to be topped up. Otherwise, there's no chance we're ever gonna show love to anyone. Why? Because the tank's empty. You can't give something that you don't have. And we know that love comes from God because God is love. And so when God's, when God's love is fresh in our hearts, it's actually not difficult to find people and to find ways of showing love to others. Amen? Amen. I want to ask us to stand, and Kaylise, could you come up and just play on the keyboard? There's Kaylise. I want to read a scripture over us as we just contemplate God's love for us. And then we're going to just pause for a moment with our eyes closed and ask God to fill us with his love. Yeah, you can turn the lights off. Thanks, my lord. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Just allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in you. I'm gonna read the short scripture and just allow the truth of God's word to just make its way into your heart this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, But do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I'm gonna read that over us again in a moment, but I'm just gonna switch out one word because we know that God is love. The Father is love. And so allow the Father to speak into your heart this morning. Allow Him to fill your heart with love. The Father is patient. The Father is kind. He does not envy. God does not boast. He is not proud. God does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. He does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. The Father always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. Holy Spirit, I pray in this next moment as we contemplate the love of the Father. Oh, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. As we contemplate this saving love, this reckless love in a sense. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour it into our hearts. Fill us up, Lord. We've run out. We are empty vessels, Lord, we leak. Holy Spirit, I pray shed abroad the love of God into our hearts that we would overflow like rivers of living water, we would overflow with the love of God to those around us. Father, I ask that this week and all through this season, you would open our eyes to those that we can show love to and help us to be sensitive to those in need, but also practical, Lord, in how we show that love, that they feel most loved. Give us a clue, give us a word of knowledge, give us a a how to show love to that person which might be different to another person. Jesus said, by this shall you know, shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. Father, pour, not dribble, pour your love into our hearts. Let it overflow, Lord, to those around us a supernatural love, people we wouldn't normally show love to. Father, a divine love, an unconditional love. Even Jesus, as you said, love your enemies. Father, I pray do it in your mighty, mighty name. And friends, just as we're ending, I want to give an opportunity for anyone this morning you've Maybe never put your faith in Christ. You've never become a Christian. You've never crossed that line into faith. Or perhaps you've drifted from God. You've wandered far away. And perhaps when I show that picture of Jesus on the cross and you've realized the most costly proposal to win over a prodigal, to win over a rebel, to win over a sinner least deserving, If you want to make right with God this morning, if you want to come back to the Father, I'd love to pray for you. So while everyone else has got their eyes closed and are letting God touch them and fill them, if you would like me to pray for you briefly to make right with God, just shoot your hand up quickly where you're standing. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Hand at the back there. Two hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Three. Father, I pray right now, let your love wash over and cleanse and bring forgiveness and healing. Father, we, we accept this free gift of salvation that Jesus purchased on the cross, that he died in our place instead of us, that he bore our sins, he carried them, he was punished for them. The wrath of God punished Jesus instead of me, instead of you. So that if we believe, if we receive, if we accept this free gift of salvation, this engagement ring from God, that we have the right to become sons and daughters. And so I pray that right now, Lord, a coming back to you, a receiving of the salvation. Father, you're so good and so kind and so patient with us and so forgiving. How could we not sing of your love for eternity, Lord? And help us on this side of eternity to in some small way show that love to those around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.